The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Empower yourself and get inspired to build the life of your dreams. Welcome to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. Hello and welcome to our show. I'm Dr. Drayvon James and this is Everyday Peace. I am super excited to be here with you today as we explore the concept of living a life of peace every day. Peace defined as wholeness, completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality. My goodness, I want you right where you are. Eyes opened, eyes closed, it doesn't matter, but take a deep breath. Hold it for just a second and then exhale completely as you conceive of the idea of the truth of you and your life right now at peace whole, complete, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality you. And yes, everyday peace is possible. Yes, you deserve peace every day. And yes, you can have everyday peace. We work together on this show to bring you the topics and the guests to partner with you as you create your life of peace every day. Now, if you missed last week's show, we had an amazing show. We had Dr. Angela Wilson with us, who talked about using the power of the unconscious mind to create the physical reality that you want. If you're interested, if you if you're not interested, I don't know why, right? If you can use your unconscious, we've heard of the conscious mind, the subconscious mind, but if we can use our unconscious mind to do that, um, please, you want to go back, you want to listen to that show. And then we had also natural anesthetician Amber Rose. And she's been with us before. So, you know, whenever we bring back a guest twice, you know, it's really phenomenal. And Amber Rose Johnson was our second guest. And she talked to us about the magical wonders of dry brushing the skin and how to have our best skin health. You know, skin is so important and how to have our best skin and maintain healthy skin during the summer season, the hot weather. So you can access that show and all of our past shows by um, visiting Dr. Drayvon James Everyday Peace Podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. So I highly encourage you to go back and listen to those shows. The information is wonderful. You'll want to be able to share that information also with your loved ones. So please take advantage of that. Another great way to, um, to listen to past shows is simply to go to the new and improved, the fabulous drdravonjames.com website. They did an amazing job with this website. I'm super excited about it. On the website, you can access transcripts from past shows, words of wisdom and encouragement. Uh, You can get excerpts from my book, uh, freedom is your birthright. There is contact information. People have, are still emailing me, and that's okay too. You can absolutely do that. But a lot of the information you're looking for, uh, if you would like to visit the site, you'll find it there. Contact information if you're interested in finding out about life coaching services or uh, having um, speakers or any of that. You can find all that information on the drdravonjames.com website. So 
I encourage you to bookmark that website and visit it often as it does update frequently. I'm super excited about our guest today. We have the master of disaster. You'll have to stick around to find out what I mean by that. Dr. Randall Bell with us today. And we have an amazing author. Kathy Holloway Hill is going to discuss her book, Secret Betrayal, with us today. So before we get to that, we're going to talk about um, something that is really heavy on my mind and my heart today Uh, from previous coaching class that I had this weekend. And so this is our everyday piece. And I want to turn your memory back just a little bit, if you will. If you can recall the story of the tortoise and the hare. And uh, that story was a story that I really liked as a kid. The, you know, the hare challenges the tortoise to this, to this race, knowing that the tortoise is very slow. And I don't want to focus on the hare for our everyday peace moment. I want to focus on the tortoise, and I understand that we are in a season of change. We all know that, right? The world is coming out of a pandemic. We are not going to go backwards. We're only going to go forward. That's how this works, and that has caused a sense of anxiety for a lot of people because they don't know how they will show up in the new world, and as I coach people and work through leadership topics with them, Uh, change is difficult and sometimes it causes people just to pause they're overwhelmed they can't move forward and so I want to draw our everyday peace moment today to that the tortoise in this story and to remind you that we all know the outcome of the tortoise and the hare so if you don't know I'll just go ahead and do a spoiler for you the hare being fast and mighty and that's a whole nother thing um, went challenges uh, the the tortoise to the race. The tortoise is slow and steady and he wins the race, the race. And we're focusing on that slow and steady because focusing on your goals and doing one small thing and committing to that one small thing, whatever it is, with consistency and discipline, right? I think we overwhelm ourselves quite often because we're thinking about the whole big thing and, and we have our eyes on the prize. We, we know there's a goal there. We have our eyes sort of on that, but mostly we have our eyes on this big thing that we have to accomplish to get to the prize. What I want to encourage you today is to be like the tortoise. Decide that you're moving in the direction of your goals make those goals clear you know feel it in your bones as they say get really clear on what it is that you want to achieve and then do not scare yourself do not overwhelm yourself with all of the tasks that need to be done focus on one small thing at a time it may even seem to be insignificant you there's a part of your brain that's going to kick in and says you should be doing more and when that part of your brain kicks in notice what you do you generally freeze and do nothing so instead of giving into that part of the brain we're going to we're going to focus on the small consistency that small consistent step with discipline right we're going to do that for for a week and then we're going to add another small step the next week and before you know it you're going to be so much further along the path to your goal. So today we're focusing on on the attributes of the of the tortoise, right? Small, slow, steady, bite-sized pieces 
done with discipline and consistency will end you at your goal point. So that is our everyday peace moment. And what leads us to our very first guest of the day, which is Dr. Randall Bell, better known as the master of disaster. Dr. Randall Bell is a social economist and he is a, he has consulted on more disasters on earth than anyone in the history and is widely considered the world's top authority in the field of post-traumatic thriving. Welcome to the show, Dr. Bell. Dr. James, it's a pleasure and honor to be with you. Thank you. Oh, I'm so, it's my honor to be talking to the master of disaster. I can't stop saying that. (laughs) (laughs) Because oftentimes when we hear the word disaster, we freeze, right? We don't know what to do. We go into a panic. And so you are here today and we're talking about, you know, we heard of, you know, post-traumatic trauma, but you're talking about post-traumatic thriving. First of all, what is it? Well, you know, a lot of people, when they think of disasters and they think of uh, the difficulties, whether it be death, disease, divorce, disasters, whatever, um, they think of destruction. They think uh, it's all over. And the point of uh, my message through this book, Post-Traumatic Thriving, is that where we go in the aftermath of a tragedy is really a choice. Um, We don't have to accept uh, defeat. We can we can make conscientious choices, and the science is so good that we can make uh, choices that will actually lead us to, to, tr- to post-traumatic thriving, where we're actually doing better after the disaster than we were before the disaster. So that's really the premise of, of my research and my work. So I love that. I heard that, that beam of light in there. We're actually doing better after the disaster than we were doing before the disaster. And I know there are many listeners here today who really need this message and they can't even imagine how they could be doing better after a loss of a loved one, after a loss of a job and, you know, the income, loss of health. But I, I'm excited to bring this to them. So what's the first, what first got you interested in the process of, process of turning pain into power? Well, Dr. James, I've been working in the field of disasters since the 1980s and for a long time and as an economist. And that's taken me all over the world with with various disasters, you name it. And I became very fascinated with the people behind the statistics. As an economist, we crunch a lot of numbers. But then I would sit with people on coconut tree logs in the Bikini Atoll who had lost their children to uh, nuclear testing or... Uh, other people who had lost uh, uh, family members to murder or some horrific crime. And I became far more interested in the people than the than the numbers and statistics and started really looking at the people behind the statistics. And this career has given me really an unprecedented access to these to these sites and to these people. And I really was intrigued because I noticed that some of the people I met, um, I became friends with a number of them or, or stayed in touch. And I, I noticed that some of them really did something, went on to do something really remarkable. And I was fascinated by that process. So I started really paying attention and I hit the books. I actually went back to school and earned my doctorate and, and focused on, you know, these kinds of behaviors that, that create these kinds of remarkable, remarkable results. And there's great science. Uh, the, the book is packed with wisdom, but it's not for me. It's, it's from great social scientists that have, have really studied these issues and, and identified what 
choices you can make in the aftermath of a disaster to really thrive. So that's kind of a synopsis of, of my journey. So then thank you for that. Would you say that anyone can thrive after any disaster? As, as remarkable as it sounds, the answer is yes. I, I'm quite convinced because the, I, I interweave in the book, I interweave the science with the stories of actual people, people I know, people uh, who are kind enough to sit down with me, at, you know, in a, in a cafe or a coffee shop and really tell me their story and people I've known and followed for, for years. And, uh, you know, people who have been incarcerated, people who have been the victim of horrible crimes, people who uh, have lost children, um, you know, all these things are horrific. And I'm not trying to sugarcoat or downplay the shock and the anger and, and the depression that can come from those things. But in time, they move through those phases uh, or those stages, I should say, successfully to get back on their feet. We go from the dive stage with all the, the nastiness of the disaster to the survive stage is the second part of the book. And then the third part of the book is the thrive stage where they really learn the skill sets they need to not only get back on their feet, but to, to blast off and do something really amazing. So you said something really interesting there and uh, that you work with all types of people in all in all aspects of trauma, whether they be incarcerated. And I want to just extrapolate a little bit on that term, because just because you're incarcerated doesn't mean you're guilty. But let, I want to say just even those people who may have been the cause of the trauma, as well as those people who may have been the victim or the, you know, both individuals, yeah. both individuals suffer trauma, right? And, yeah. and in both in both individuals' cases, there can be thriving. And I love that because oftentimes um, people get, when they are the cause of something horrific, you know, they get stuck in this in this will, like they can't get off of it, right? And they get stuck there and believe that they are no better than their last offense. Right, yeah, I, I learned a lot. Some of my greatest teachers in life have been incarcerated men in San Quentin prison where I've been a volunteer. And also people I've met in the Orange County jail system through a, a ministry that I uh, belong to. And I've met people in prison who are in prison for life. But one, one gentleman came up to me in San Quentin and he says, you know, I've been convicted for life. Uh, I'll be in prison for the rest of my life, but it will be a good and honorable life. Um, that's the kind of transformation I've seen. That, that gentleman, in my mind, is a thriver because although uh, he's, he's accepted his, his reality for, for crimes he committed when he was young and made some bad decisions, um, he's turned it around and he's thriving. And that's what it's all about. It's a change of heart. It's a change, it's a change in attitude. And, and it's taking responsibility. And it's, and it's that process that really brings about the thriving. Oh, we got that C word. It's the change, right? The change in heart, the change in attitude. It is change will be necessary. So, and, and that's even for those those people who are not in a state of uh, overcoming trauma. But I'm reminded as you're talking about that very true phrase, we're either in the middle of something 
heading into something and the, the something is something undesirable or coming out of something undesirable. So that we are always in that cycle and knowing that um, somewhere on that will and knowing that uh, we can not only just survive, but we can come through this and we can thrive. And as you said in the beginning, we can find ourselves in a better state of being than what we were prior to the trauma. That is... Um, phenomenal to me that 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 is i won't say worth the all the trauma but if we have to go through it to know that we have an option to come out into the into the thriving so knowing that we have that why in your in your opinion do so many people uh just exist in the surviving stage you know and and that's even a struggle they struggle to get to just the survival stage why is that I think it's because they don't have the information. And, and, and honestly, that's why I spent 10 years writing this book um, and doing the research, because as I say, the science is so good that we, if we will adapt some, some very specific and frankly, very simple habits, uh, meditation for one, um, or you can call it grounding. We call it grounding in prison because some people, uh, you know, uh, you know, have a hang-up on the word meditation, and it doesn't really matter. It's, it's deep breathing exercises are, uh, I have on my desk in front of me 12 articles out of Harvard University that show brain scans that measure the brain's health from, from and growth from simple deep breathing exercises. These kinds of techniques, and I go through all of them in the book, uh, if people have this information, they don't need to get stuck in this survival mode or, or even in the the dive stage or the survive stage, they can really kind of move forward to th the thrive stage. And I think it's basically making this information accessible because it's been proven scientifically to work. Yeah. And I love that you said it's been proven scientifically to work. So before we go too much further into tell us um, again, the title of the book, how we can access the book. Yeah, sure. The, the title of the book is Post-Traumatic Thriving, and then the s subtitle is The Art, Science, and Stories of Resilience, and it's on Amazon. I have the Kindle version for 99 cents because I'm, I'm not really in this for money. I just, I've been given a, you know, really a gift uh, of, of access to these people in these places, and I just felt a, a ethical responsibility to, to share what I learned. Um, so the book's on Amazon. The Kindle version is 99 cents. It's at every bookstore, Barnes and Noble, everywhere, um, and uh, and I, I love getting feedback from people who've read the book. But it's it's everywhere. Oh, wonderful! And for ninety nine cents to our to our listeners, it's worth it to either be a help to you. But if you've already learned how how to do that successfully, you then to pass on to someone else who you know, and we all know someone. Um, who is trying to effectively come through COVID, right? And all of the things that were lost in that in, in the coming through of tr COVID and really trying to get their feet on steady ground, really trying to figure things out for themselves so that they can move even to surviving, right? They feel as though they're not surviving because of all the emotional trauma that they're currently experiencing. So what is the key? to the process and without giving everything away, I do want people to get the book. I really feel that the book will be valuable. I know we talked about meditation and grounding and that, and I, and I so agree with that. And I want to say one thing, I loved how you said you don't get, you know, you don't get stuck on the words because sometimes words can separate us, right? So if the word meditation doesn't 
sit right with you, you can substitute in that that grounding, that space where you go within. And that's how I'm looking at that. Is that is that your meaning behind the meditation and the grounding? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You 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 got it. And uh, that's such a great question because the, the and you, you mentioned COVID. And by the way, on January 10th, I got COVID and it knocked me out flat for three months. I I got a really bad case and I'm grateful to God that I survived it. Um, and my heart goes out to everyone because it destroyed me physically for three at least three months, and it destroys a lot of people physically. Um, financially, emotionally, it's a horrible thing. And actually, the timing of the book was such that I was able to add information about COVID. But here's the critical thing, and it's really wonderful to understand, whether it's COVID or any other trauma, the the solutions are the same. And and I talk about in the first chapter what I call the dynamic duo. The first one is grounding exercises, deep breathing exercises. I've, I've had friends, in fact, I have friends right now who dismiss that because it's too simple. They just can't believe that something that simple and completely free and without some exotic, you know, guru that you have to go to, um, that that can have a powerful effect. But that's that's one of the obstacles in thriving is just to accept the science. Something that is that is easy and free can be so powerful. The other one of the dynamic duo is is to tell your story. You cannot bottle up trauma inside and heal. It's just, it is absolutely 100% impossible. I've never seen anybody do it, and I don't see any academic literature that supports that idea. You've got to find a trusted person, preferably a licensed therapist, but a, a good friend, or even journaling, but getting that story told and expressed relieves that internal war that we start within ourselves when we've experienced a trauma. Um, there's there's about eight techniques in total in the book, but those are the two that I'm anxious to share with people because those two alone have a, a very profound effect. Oh, and I love that. I love, and let's spend a minute talking about telling your story because I agree with you. There's more room out here than there is within ourselves. So the let let that out. You know, sort of like letting the pressure out of a balloon or something from when you get to tell your story. But is there a way that you should tell your story that doesn't re-traumatize you or doesn't? Um, it's not too heavy for the next person. Is there a way, a certain way to tell the story to be effective as a relief? Such a wonderful question, Dr. James. What the technique I learned in, again, from these inmates in, in San Quentin prison, they call it sitting in the fire. And you're right. We don't want to be re-traumatized. And so maybe we tell our story gradually. Well, first of all, we, we need to tell it to a trusted person, someone that won't gossip behind our back or break our confidences and that kind of thing. That's why a trusted uh, and trained licensed therapist is so good because they'll lose their license if they, if they, uh, share information inappropriately. Um, and we want to be careful about sharing that information with, with close friends because we could traumatize them with our story. So finding that right person is, is important. But but sometimes we need to take our time telling our story. We don't need to tell our story publicly, um, but we do need to find some outlet to tell that story. It, it's We call it sitting in the fire because that's what it feels like. It's raw emotion. It's often... often, uh, often you know, ugly, embarrassing information. You know, the tra- trauma is not uh, a fun topic to talk about, and that's why people, you know, instinctively, you know, hold it inside. But that's what causes this internal war that's so so damaging. 
So it's really a personal preference. It's a personal decision we got to make. Who do I tell? Who can I trust? And how can I share that information in a way that's healthy and constructive while not traumatizing myself, but ultimately get the full story out because it's like getting the poison out of our, our bodies to, to go through that process. Oh, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Getting the poison out so that you can move to a place of thriving when you start letting the, the poison um, out of your system and being, you know, when you hear yourself. I always tell people the benefit of telling the story is that you, in order for me to tell you about something that happened to me in the past, that must mean that I'm a victor over that, right? So if I'm the storyteller of an event in my life, that means I had victory over that event, whatever it was. I, I'm still here to talk about it, right? It didn't wipe me out. It didn't take me out. So when I talk to people, I always say that, remember that you're telling me the story. So al already I see you as a victor, right? I, I love yes. that point. I, I might put it in the next edition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, you're, you're, you're welcome to. Yeah, I, I absolutely, I do that with all my clients. I said, so let's, let's stop and, and, you know, and appreciate the magnitude of that. You're going to tell me something horrific that happened and that you survived. Yeah, I'm, it, it I'm, is. I'm and and I tell the stories like, for example, I went to high school with uh, Jerry Jewell and Jerry is one of my heroes. She is uh, she was born disabled, unfortunately, but um, she's a wonderful person. And she had that choice of am I going to just sit in an easy chair and watch TV all day or am I going to do something with my life? Jerry went on. She she was the first disabled person in the history of the world to land a starring role on network television. Jerry uh, was on Facts of Life on ABC TV, and then she just starred on uh, Deadwood series on HBO. She's a wonderful person. She's inspired millions. She's spoken at the White House three times, and and she's a post traumatic thriver. I, she was born with her trauma. So, and, and I've I've sat with Jerry uh, for hours on many occasions. Um, and, and interviewed her and asked her about what she does behind the scenes in her day-to-day -day life to, that has enabled her to just, you know, in spite of her disabilities, do something so incredible. And, and I share her story and other stories in the book so you can kind of understand the science but see it actually applied and then actually see the results. And that's, that's what compelling, you know, information I'm trying to provide. Right. So again, we're talking to Dr. Randa Bell. And we're talking about his book. And, and you can reach the book is 99 cents on Amazon. Dr. Bell, thank you for sharing your journey with us and your story with us. And we wish you much success as you reach the world to tell us how to thrive after disaster. Thank you, Dr. James. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Create and build the life of your dreams. Welcome back to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Drayvon James, and you're listening to Everyday Peace, and we're back with our second guest for the hour, and this is Kathy Holloway-Hill, and we are going to have an exciting um, conversation. Kathy is the CEO of C. Holloway-Hill Enterprises, 
It is her passion to enhance, empower, educate, and motivate individuals to live an authentic life. I love that, an authentic life. Welcome to the show, Kathy. Thank you so much, Dr. Drayvon James. I am so happy to be here. Oh, I'm delighted to have you here, and I'm delighted for this topic. We're opening up with talking about owning our identity. And I got to tell you that that really excites me is I spend a lot of time coaching people and talking to them about self-awareness. And I don't know if you find this in your work, but I do find it in mine that we could tell you more about our favorite athlete or singer or actor or a politician. And when we get to questions about ourselves, we're, we're stumped. We're like, Hmm, I don't yeah. know. Right. Yeah. So, what what is that? Why why is it that we don't own our identity? Well, you know, Doctor Drayvon, we get caught up. It's kind of a learned behavior early on in life, in your childhood. We get caught up in what society says that we should do with our lives, what the media says we should do with our lives, our parents, our teachers, influential people in our lives, figures on TV, people that we admire. We get caught up in what they're doing, and we never go inside of ourselves to discover who we are, what are our unique gifts and past, gifts and, and talents and, and passions, and what is our purpose in life. We are looking at other people's. We're looking at things on the outside of us instead of going inside to discover who we are. You know, I have to agree with you 100% is that, in a, and I say this um, all of the time, people who I've coached, if they're listening to me, they're going to start laughing as soon as I begin it. I always think that it is a tragedy that we have these two eyes that point outward instead of inward because all yeah. of the answers that we need for everything, right? And we use our eyes to judge everything, right? We use our sight, those of us who are sighted, we use our sight to uh tell us everything. You know, we, we believe exactly what we see on the outside. And if we turn the eyes inward, we'd really be seeing something about ourselves and, and be opening up to truth. Right. So that's a yeah. challenge to me that, you know, we get so distracted by what, what these eyes see in the media, you know, what we believe we see in other people. And I know we're going to talk about your, your one of your books, maybe both of your books, but Secret Betrayals, how we get caught up in jealousy and envy because what we believe that our eyes see. So what... <laughs> In your opinion, people need to know, what can we do to begin the process of owning our identity? How can we shift that focus? That's a great question. It's first, it first begins with awareness because I always start my workshops and seminars out by asking the question, are you a victim of identity theft? And whenever I ask that question, they immediately think that it means someone hacking into their internet or hacking into their, their bank account or something like that, stealing their, their social security number. But identity theft means, and I say, no, okay, I want you to answer these questions. Have you ever tried to fit in? You know, just forgetting about who you are, you're trying to fit in with, with other people. Have you ever cried over a breakup? Do you care what other people think about you? Have you ever tried to impress someone? Those are the types of questions that I ask, and they all answer yes. And when you answer yes to questions like that, you have not had your identity stolen. You've actually given it away because you you are unique. 
And I, I call it discovering brand you, Y-O-U, your own uniqueness. But we give it away to others and we allow the opinions of others and how they see us and their perception of us, they allow that to define them. And when we allow things outside of us to define who we are, that's identity theft or, or actually giving it away. It's giving your identity away even though you're not liking it, but you just want other people to like you when that should not be the goal. The goal is to go inside, find your power, find your unique authenticity, and discover what that is and build upon that. That's the first step. Yeah, you hit that nail on the head for me because the whole thing is, and if we are totally, totally honest, and we need to be totally, totally honest, that's how we're going to get free, is we want other people to like us. And on yes. the surface, that doesn't sound like a bad thing, right? But I think what we skip over is we first need to know and like ourselves. Right. 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 Used to, and, and, and you hear people say a lot, like, you know, I, I have a TV show and I'm a host, and I hear people say to me, oh, you're going to be the next Oprah. No, I'm Kathy Holloway Hill. You know, Oprah mm. is great at what she does. She's Oprah. That's her identity. My identity is Kathy Holloway Hill. Your identity is Dr. Drayvon James. Every individual on this planet has a unique, authentic purpose and unique, authentic gifts that only they can bring to the world. And your world may just be a small group of people in your community. Your world may be millions. But you have to be true to who you are and true to your purpose and stop trying to look at what everyone else is doing outside yourself. Stop trying to be like the people that you admire and just be yourself. And that's what kind of brings us to the envy thing. We start envying other people because they have things we want when we have the same power that they have inside of us, but we don't go in there to find it. We have the same, and you know, as you were talking, what occurred to me, we, we envy people who are trying to be like somebody else. And do you think that a part of that trying to be like somebody else is that we fear, one, that who we are is not good enough? Like we won't cut the yeah. mustard, as they say, you know, we won't be good enough. If, if you just show up as you and you feel like, well, that that would never do because I, I'm not good enough at this. And and so that's how we get so uh overly involved in trying to be somebody else. Yes, absolutely. We see someone we admire, and instead of us trying to go inside, allow that to enhance you, to lift you up, to inspire you, to motivate you. Do not allow it to define you. That's where we go wrong. We go too far with it. Because we we have something that we all have to bring to the world. And until we go in there and discover what that is, we have to put ourselves in something that I call a self-discovery mode. Ask yourself, what are my beliefs? What are my thoughts? What are my passions? What's my purpose? What do I like to do? What am I good at? What is, just comes natural for me? I could just jump out of bed and, and do it without thinking. Everyone has a unique gift that they possess but they don't know what that is because they're so busy living externally and living in an external world that they don't go inside to see what that internal unique authenticity is. 
Oh, you just, and I don't want our listeners to miss this because, and I just was jotting them down as you were talking because it was really good teaching. You you gave these four self-discovery questions, and I just want to repeat them for our listeners because if you have a piece of paper, if you can write these down, I think it would be well worth it to sit in some quiet time and, and get yourself some answers uh, for self-discovery. According to Kathy Holloway Hill just gave us question number one. What are my beliefs? What do you believe about yeah. anything? Just what do you believe? What right. are my thoughts? What am I thinking yeah. about? Right? Yeah. Paying attention to your thoughts. What are my passions? That's huge. That's huge. Yeah. You know, what, what lights me up? What am I excited about? Without judgment, exactly. shame, or condemnation. I have to add that in there because I know sometimes we get all weird about, you know, this is what, this is what I believe. Okay, that's what you believe. You can change, yeah. but that's what you believe today. And then here's a question that that's made me just uh, light up inside. What comes naturally? Because yeah. you are so right. I agree with you 100%. We all came wired for something. Yeah. And Oftentimes, we don't open that our own personal gift because we just assumed it's not good enough. And we also, you know, kind of get caught up in our younger years, to basically childhood when we're teenagers. We're listening to what other people are saying. Our parents, our teachers, our friends, our pastor, whoever is important in our life, we're listening. I did it. I was in corporate America for 25 years and hated every minute of it. Because I wanted to please my parents. I was trying to please people that were important to me, but I was not being true to myself. I knew what I loved to do. I knew what my passion was, but I wasn't living according to my passion or my purpose. Let's talk about that for just a minute, because as they say, I'm sure you just rang the bell for a lot of people. Right. And we're talking about, you know, your specialty was helping people live their authentic life. And there is so much happiness in that authentic life. But as you just gave us a very vivid example, many people just probably set up in their chair because they know that that they that's either them or they love somebody who's actually suffering from that, where they are trapped in a circumstance that looks wonderful on the outside. But on the inside, makes them feel like it's rotten to the core. And sometimes that is a career choice, which everyone's just applauding you. And you, you know, you you've held some high positions, and so you say, yeah. "This is something you got that you know the C-suite, the you know everybody wants." And you're in there, yeah. and you're saying to yourself, kicking and screaming, "Why am I here?" <laughs> right? Yeah. So, and we and know. How can I get out? And how can I get out? So. Give us something. What is one? What's the first step to getting out? I mean, you know, you don't want to be there. You know that it doesn't represent your passion. But I, let's be honest. It's paying the bills. It's 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 uh, providing a lifestyle that we, you know, enviable lifestyle. We're talking about, you know, these, uh, you know, envious situations is providing all that where you're, you know, have gotten the highest of the highest as far as successes and you're unhappy with it. What's the first exit strategy? And, you know, and, you know, the first, the the absolute first thing you must do is acknowledge it. And once you acknowledge that you're unhappy, but see, a lot of people talk themselves into happiness when they're really not happy. What they're doing is they're wearing a mask. And I'm not talking about a COVID mask. I'm talking about a full facial mask because they're masking their pain. So they throw on a mask and pretend that their life is great. Oh, I'm making a lot of money. I have it. So you have to acknowledge 
that you are wearing a mask. You are living a fake life. It's not your authentic life. It's a life that someone else chose. And you're just going along with the program because you're making the money. That's good. And it's buying you all these external things. And we know if external things were the root of happiness, then there wouldn't be so many people in Hollywood committing suicide and, and getting hooked on drugs. Right. And so right. unhappy, if money was the, the, the reason for happiness, it's not. It's fulfillment because the more money you get, then you want power. And then you get power, then you want to, you know, these billionaires, they're flying to outer space. They've got billions. Why do they need to fly to outer space? Because it is something missing. Money is not the answer. There's something missing. Yeah, And and only you can answer the question of what that is. And you have to take off the mask. You've got to take off. And, and when I say a mask, I'm talking about the lies you tell yourself. That's, you know, the second book I wrote, Lies, Love, and Life. And you've got to stop telling yourself the lies. I love my job. I'm happy. Well, I can't leave here. I make too much money. Well, I'll never succeed at doing anything else. Well, I, I, can't, uh, I can't quit because I have to pay my bills. Well, you can gradually ease your way out of it the way I did it is I on the side as a hobby was doing my passion and my purpose while I still maintained the job that paid the bills. And I gradually eased my way out of it. That's how I did it. Oh, I love that. Uh, Other people may have a a nice little IRA or nice little chunk of chain set aside where they can just quit. But I eased my way out. There, There are many ways, depending on your circumstances, of how you can get out or you can wear a mask for the rest of your life and be miserable on the inside. Like most people in Hollywood, you know, and they get restless and miserable. And, and like these billionaires, they're looking for ways to, you know, fulfill their themselves, creating rocket ships to fly to outer space. Right, because you know one thing is you're talking about this mask, and I love that visual, because this mask that we wear and it, and it constricts us. We we feel small, right? We yeah. f- in, 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 and I think that's something. You know, when I talk with people, I always say, "How do you feel? Never mind what you look like to the outside world. How do you feel? Anything right. that makes you feel small, right inside, you feel like you're drowning, like you can't. That is not your passion so you can find your passion by discovering what is not your passion sometimes you got to go about it that way and so you get in this place and and i and i love the fact that you brought this conversation to this point as we're talking about your books and we're talking about you know this whole part of authenticity because betrayal we become we we betray ourselves. yes when we decide to live small inside so we can look large outside, right? Correct. Be and then we start looking at others in, in an envious way because we're, we're trying to hide the, the anger and we're trying to hide the anxiety and we're trying to hide the envy and we're trying to hide the regret and all of those toxic emotions. So we throw on a mask to cover that up when really all we have to do is just acknowledge where we are acknowledge that we are feeling these things stop pushing it down stop trying to you know just fit in just get in where you fit in 
stop trying to do that and just understand that I've got to go through the process of discovering who am I? What's my identity? What is my unique authenticity? What do I possess that I can bring to the world and be excited about it? I want to jump out of bed every morning and be excited about my life. Right. I don't want to dread it as I'm driving into work and dread (sighs) traffic and dread and dread and just live a life of dread and misery. And taking that first step, you know, can be scary, but I think there's another way we can think about it. It can be invigorating and exciting. And I love how you provide that safety net for people who don't have the IRA or, you know, the trust fund or whatever. They just can't put things to the side. They have obligations. You provide that safety net because I, I work a lot of hours, but I've never met anyone who works 24 hours a day seven days a week right right. so we do know that in there somewhere and i talked i opened up with the everyday peace moment talking about the tortoise and making a small commitment to your dream and i hear you saying that and that you followed that passion you know you you maintained your full-time responsibility on your job and you started making room and etching out time in your in your off time to start developing your passion to the point where you could walk away from the c-suite you know from the executive position and say you know here i am i i have been building this on the side and it's ready right yeah and 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 I would believe, and this is really a question, did you feel like when you made that, when you had the awareness, but when you made the commitment to start doing that, did you feel like the mask came off at that point, or did you have to get completely out of corporate for the mask to come out off? Once I started doing it on the side as a hobby, oh, the mask came off. It totally came off. And once I started doing it on the side as a hobby, I started getting more and more and more and more exposure and more and more and more attention from people requesting my services. And then that started being the main focus for me. And once I started actually earning money from that on the side, it started out volunteering and a hobby. But then, you know, when you start writing books and, you know, I went back and got my master's in psychology because I, I was actually in a technology job. I worked for IBM. You were back in I did not like technology. Right. You started yeah, I was changing. good in math. It, it was it was a strength. Math was a strength. It wasn't my passion. A strength is totally different than a passion. Yeah. But once it's I started sure, sure doing is. that on the side, I just it just kept going and going until I went in one day and I tried to turn in my letter of resignation and, and they, they wouldn't accept it. They said no. So I, I went ahead and stayed three more years and just started, you know, shoving money away. Just started really shoveling it away just so that when I did go off on my own that I'd, I'd have a little nest egg. And so it, it was a plan. It was a planned exit. Oh, you were such an encouragement. And so in the, in this whole process, you've, you've successfully written two books, the first of which is the Actually, three. The, three, okay. Uh, so, three. Yeah. Okay, so give us the titles of, of your books and, and, and where we can find them as well. Okay, well, the first one is Emotional Bailout. Uh, and that one is because, you know, during this COVID, it's a great example. Everyone's looking for a bailout from the government. Help us, help us, help us. You know, we need jobs. We need, you know, to get rid of this pandemic. Well, my first book, Emotional Bailout, is how you can help bail yourself out of a situation. If you're in a job that you don't like, 
how you can help bail yourself out. That's the first book. The second book is Lies, Love, and Life. Stop telling yourself these lies. I can't do this. I'm too old. I'm not good enough. All of these things that are not true. And throw you throw on the mask to try to cover up the pain. That's the second book. And the third book is called Secret Betrayal. Females gossip and they talk to their female friends and they're around their female friends but behind their backs they gossip and they judge them unfairly and they really have secretly want to be like them or they want to have their life or whatever the case may be so that book is about how to live your authentic life and stop gossiping and and prejudging your friends behind their back you know have your own so you can stop looking at other people i get that a lot when i go out to different events that I get judged because of what I'm doing when they could be doing whatever it is they're uniquely qualified to do. So all of my books are available. Uh, you can get them on Amazon. The easiest way to get them for me is my website, which is chollowayhill.com. And I'll spell that for you. C-H-O-L-L-O-W-A-Y-H-I-L-L.com. And there's a lot of information on my website about me, my books, the workshops that I conduct. I do a lot of work for youth organizations, corporations. Uh, when I went back and got my master's in psychology, uh, I focused on early childhood development because that's when we really start creating these beliefs about ourselves early in life. And once you become an adult, now you've got to reshape and refocus and change those beliefs because our old toxic beliefs might be that I can't own a business. I can't be an entrepreneur. It's too difficult. You know, any excuse. Those are those lies you're telling yourself. That's lies, love, and life. So those are the three books, and they all kind of tie in and fit together with, with what I'm talking about when I say owning your identity. When you own your identity, you own your life. Yeah, and 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 and, I, and they tie in so nicely too. And I wanted to say one thing about your the, the book, the secret betrayal: how to deal with female rivalries. As we're talking here today, I'm getting a strong. I feel strongly connected to you and your message here because when we know ourselves, when we have that relationship with ourselves, I find that we are less likely to even want to gossip or to put another person down because we have a realization that first of all, we are all one. We come from the same source, right? And that we can, we can, and and I want to say this in a way that is very, very clear because we're starting to practice self-awareness. We see ourselves in totality. We see those things that we love about ourselves and those things that we want to improve. And we understand that that makes us uniquely us. And so being able to see both sides of the coin allows us to see that in other people with grace. Yes. Right. And be able to say, oh, I understand, you know, and and not to get to a place where we're taking things so personally or we're over or we're judging. So understanding as you're talking right now, what I'm hearing is that once we get to this place of self-awareness of living our authentic life, the need to gossip goes away and the need to form alliances 
improves. You you realize that, you know, it's like uh, I'm full of, of these old stories that my mother used to tell me about this. Now I'm on stone soup. This early I was talking about the tortoise and the hare. But we realize that everybody has to bring something. They bring their uniqueness, which makes the world beautiful. And That's we can it. all support each other. Instead of tearing each other down, gossiping behind each other's back, we can support each other and build each other up because the world needs everyone's unique gift. The world needs you. Please stop looking at other people and envying and judging what they have because you can have whatever is meant for you. What, what, and I'm very spiritual, and I say what God has for you is for you, not for anyone else. But you have to go after it. You have to put in the work. I have so thoroughly enjoyed having you on the show today because thank as you. we grow, oh, thank you. As we grow in our authentic self, we do better for our homes, our communities, our organizations. And when we do that, we do better for the world at large. And um, Dr. Drayvon James and Everyday Peace, this is what we're, we strive to do is to bridge these gaps to help people connect to their authentic self. So your whole message today has been right in line with what we're teaching on this channel, the, the alliances, the, the everyday peacemakers that we're um, generating from this channel. I want to encourage our listeners to please visit um, the www.drdravonjames.com website. Listen to the replay of the show. Get the information from Kathy Holloway about her book, Kathy Holloway Hill, excuse me, about the book she has written, her organization. Find a way to be that positive change that we're so looking for in the world. It comes from us. This is Dr. Drayvon James. This is Everyday Peace. I absolutely love you. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We talk to the animals and we know you can too. On the Animal Communication Podcast hosted by the three of us, myself, Julie Heert, Karen Debbie Smith, and Meredith Tolleson. We will show you how to deepen your relationship with your beloved animal companions, whether they're alive or in spirit. As soul-level animal communicators, we explain the process and explore topics such as health, behavior, and play, all from the animal's perspective. So subscribe and follow us on Apple, Spotify, and listen as part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.